He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Good morning, Slick Talkers. We have an awesome giveaway for you for the holiday season. Many of you know that I am also the host of Good Morning Hospitality with my two amazing co-hosts, the Michaels or Michael Ross from Bidroom.com and Michael Golden from NoiseAware. And we had a guest on today on our morning show, Jerome from Hotel.School. Many of you who have listened to Slick Talk know that Patricia, the uh, managing director and partner, was also on the podcast recently. And we're giving away 50 courses for free. So if you're in the hotel space or the vacation rental space, I have a code for you. And you can use this to get a free course on Hotel.School. So go ahead, go to Hotel.School. Put in the code at checkout, which is GMH2020, and you will get your course for free, completely free, no strings attached, like at all. And you can even look in the show notes, click the link that says hotel.school free course giveaway, and use the code GMH2020 to get your course today. Now back to the episode. Am I housekeeping? No, but is it my hotel? No, but I got to treat it like it's my own. You know, and it kind of, it sets, it inspires other people to do it. And even with the super eight, like if housekeeping, like that was my, our family's hotel, but if housekeeping didn't show up, guess who was making rooms? Me and my brother. Yeah. (laughs) So Saturday, Saturday night, Saturday mornings were not for cartoons. No, we made room and laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Today, I have another very young, amazing professional in the industry. Tajel, nice to meet you and have you in person. So excited to get to do this interview with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Well, I want to jump in. I love just going right to it, right in the beginning, finding out what your origin is, where you started, and your journey is a little unique because you're pretty much born and raised in hospitality. So I'm curious to get in the brain of a lifelong hospitality expert. Sure. So, um, yeah, I am a third generation hotelier uh, by choice, and I was literally born into the industry. Uh, when my parents brought me home from the hospital, I came home to like a 30 room independent motel in mm-hmm. Bainbridge, Georgia, that was owned and operated by my parents. And my grandparents were hoteliers and my parents are hoteliers. So that's where the third generation thing comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the University of Houston. I studied hotel restaurant management uh, from their Conrad Hilton College for um, hospitality. And um, I've been working since I was 16 years old. And I've worked in different areas of the industry like you know restaurants and events and you know hotel ops um, and consulting and then I finally had the chance to develop my own property like this would be my own project and so I decided to start my own company called Neem Tree Hospitality Mm. and the reason I started that was because I want to take the family legacy a little bit higher because my parents and my grandparents they thought of being hotel owners as a way of making, of getting their bread and butter. And I kind of see a bigger picture behind that. And so um, I did all my filing. I, you know, registered the company and then the pandemic hit. And I was thinking, well, shit. So (laughs) I was like, did I do this prematurely? And then, um, yeah, one day my uncle called me and he said, hey, like, do you want to be the opening manager for our Fairfield that we're opening in League City, which is just a little bit south of Houston? And my family was involved with it as long as well as like two other families and like their mm-hmm. journey here in the industry started around the same time. And I was very like proud of this project because it's kind of, it's hard to break into Marriott. Like it really, yeah. really oh, is. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like my parents are like now like investors in a marriage. Like, this is awesome. And so I was like, yeah, like I'll do what I can to position this property to, you know, set it up for success when it opens because the greater Houston area is very saturated, mm. oversaturated. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I felt like we had to be a little bit more strategic with the marketing for that. So 
Um, along with that, I kind of had the idea that, okay, like maybe I can have this as like a leg, like a different leg of the company and kind of play around with it. So that's kind of, uh, I guess, like a summary of my beginning to end. Yeah. So from the start to finish, we're here, we're in the <laughs> middle of COVID. And like you said, you kind of like that. I think we all had that. Oh shit moment. Like I yeah. even did do like, I quit my, I quit managing hotels on December 27th, 2019. So like oh, no. <laughs> three, three months into the pandemic or into the new year, uh, a pandemic hit. And I never assumed that. Like when I was putting my business plan together, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to prepare for a pandemic. It's going to be great. I'm going to yeah. love not making money for who knows how long. Um, so yeah, I think I feel you on that one. I'm relating. <laughs> I do want to go into like a little bit though, because it's interesting to like you hear about like hotel kids like kids that were born and raised and grew up and living in hotels and and going into that was that always something that you wanted to do or did you ever try to think of like exploring um maybe something new just like outside of what you've known and we're we're seeing as a as a child yeah for sure I mean like when I was growing up and like I remember like applying for colleges in high school and I was like I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do with my life like what <laughs> yeah. like what what am I like what can I do what am I good at and then um, I kind of found um, a way, I found like a, a passion for planning, like event planning yeah. and stuff. So um, I thought that I was gonna be like a wedding planner or something like an Indian wedding planner. And then turns out like, well, I'll get to that part in a second. But so <laughs> I was like, so basically like when I went to school, when I went to college, a lot of my, um, we do this thing called like areas of emphasis at U of H and um, you can do like in lodging events, operations, whatever. So I did mine in event management and it's kind of like a concentration. And, um, I went through that and then I realized like, well, I don't like Indian weddings. So I, <laughs> I was like, this is not going to work out. Um, and, and so my goal was that, okay, I will go back to the family business. I don't mind. Cause it, it, it was my father's dream, my mom's dream. And I was like, I don't, I don't mind. Like I like hotels. Like I loved helping out when I was younger and I was like, I'll do my own thing. I'll do like all these jobs or whatever, you know, work for other people. And then like when I'm around 30, then I'll come back and join the business. Mm -hmm. So then when I had that epiphany about like, I don't really want to be an event planner. Um, I actually went to an AHOA convention. So AHOA okay. is the Asian American yeah. Hotel Owners Association. Um, I went to that convention, um, I actually volunteered at registration because I needed some extra money and they were like recruiting kids from school. And then I was just like blown away. And, and I realized like, no, like I want to be in hotels and I want to start that journey sooner. Um, and so I worked for another hotel. I worked for Hilton for a few years and then around like, like when I was like 25, I was like, all right, I'm ready to take the reins of the family business. So I came to work with my dad and we worked, uh, we had a super eight that we owned and operated since 2001. Mm -hmm. I went to work for him. I hated it. It was awful because we are, it's just so hard to work with your, like your old school dad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. And so I was like, oh God, this is not going to work out. And then, then I decided, then I left and I went to do a consulting gig for um for a firm and then I worked there for a year and I came back and I decided I want to be in hotels I want to be in hospitality but I'm going to do it on my own terms yeah and I'm going to take everything that I learned like for working for like 12 years for other people that goal was to bring that knowledge back and to build upon like the legacy and so um that that's what I that's what I decided to do finally no, that's awesome. And I was going to ask, uh, do you, I hope you don't mind me asking, how old are you currently? You're still late 20s? I'm 28, yeah. 28, okay. So yeah. very young professional, like like for a lot of people in the industry, I think you and I can both attest to that. We're used to seeing more people in the industry being like 20 years, 25 years, and they're of, of being in, so they're in their 40s, 50s, you know, that type of deal. Um what is it like for you being a very strong and professional, but lifelong industry pro uh, to, you know, be young and leading in the industry and especially that an industry that isn't very well known for its youth retention? You know, it's, um, it's so hard to be like, A, it's hard to be an employee of this industry because it can be so demanding, but it's also harder to manage employees in this industry just because of the demand just how, I guess, I don't want to say awful, but just very, very demanding. And it's very like heart-wrenching, you know? Yeah. Um, and especially in regards to like employee retention and even with youth retention. 
in order to last in this industry, you have to be a very specific breed of person. Yes. And so all I can do is that as someone who is trying to be the next generation, the future generation of hospitality, the best that I can do is hope that for my properties and for my uh, company that I create like a great culture, I, I practice empathy yeah. amongst my team members. Um, and really just try and change the dynamic, at least on a, on a micro level and hope that spreads out. Mm -hmm. so. No, that's a good point. I think empathy is, is really key. And this wasn't really like planned in our, our pre, you know, recording discussion, but, um, you've talked to me about, you know, I think we both are very relatable. I struggle with mental health and being like so empathetic sometimes that it does take like a big toll like it's a heavy cross to bear and so what's been some ways that dealing with this like I don't know I've struggled with depression and suicide and just other things in the past that and this is something I've never actually have shared on the podcast let alone with many people in the world but I think it's a really important topic uh, just because we are in the industry and like you said a specific breed of person can make it in this industry and yeah. so when you are that specific breed, I think you do take on a lot. And um, so I'm just kind of curious, like your thoughts and like your experience with, with dealing with that and just also, you know, overcoming it in the sense of, you know, keep continuing to move forward. Well, uh, so first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that's, that's very brave. So thank you. And I'm sure your listeners will appreciate that. Um, I've been dealing with mental health issues before I even knew that I was honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're in the hospitality industry and like when you're passionate about this industry, like you're such a like giving person, you're all about like making someone else's day brighter. You're all about like putting a happy face on and yeah. just giving your all to whoever is in front of you. And having that kind of, I guess that character trait is very, it's, it's heavy. And especially if you kind of have like a lot going on, even outside of work, like for mm -hmm. example, like I, like my, I, I, help take care of my family. Um, mm -hmm. My brother is special needs. He has intellectual disabilities. So I help my parents with him. My grandmother who was living with us, like she was aging and I was always helping them out. And it, it takes a lot. And so when that burnout happens, like I realized looking back, like I wish that I had just recognized the signs of like what I was going through. And usually like when you're feeling burnout, you're feeling demotivated. You're mm -hmm. feeling detached from people in your work. Um, and also, there's a stigma around it, right? Like there's yeah. a stigma around feeling that you're depressed or tired. And especially amongst millennials, you know, that, that stigma is even more magnanimous. Yeah. But I think it's important that we destigmatize that and that it's okay. And it's important that we talk to people, people we trust, and that it's okay to ask for help. Like mm. ask help from your friends. If there's people at work, like your manager or someone, it's okay mm. to talk to them about these things. And it's also important that you take time out for yourself. And that's always easier said than done, right? Like yeah. I can sit here and tell, yeah, you can do this and you'll be a happier person, but yeah. you have to do it. You yeah. have to take time off for yourself. So yeah, no, I agree. Sorry, I just yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. Um, you know, and like you just said with your brother, um, I actually have a twin brother who has Down syndrome. So I totally get like the outside of like, oh the 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 special needs thing so yeah thank you for sharing as well it's really important that this topic is really covered because uh, i just i don't think with this job it's kind of a 24 7 job like i remember you know my first hotel when i was in a grumpy mood or like just had a bad day and you're like going into work and clocking in and getting your till ready and then your manager's like hey you're going on stage like that's a legit phrase you would always hear and i'm pretty sure you heard it too like you know yeah. showtime and so having to like really embody like the true, like covering of how, what's going on in your heart, like what's really happening internally and showcasing something else, it's way harder than what most people is, would think. It is. And, and you know what? I think like during, oh, I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. Oh no, 100%. Um, I was just going to say like, I think during like, I mean, during COVID, it's been even more like emphasized, like, you know, it's, it's yeah mental health has been harder to kind of combat during this time, especially if people were quarantining yeah. or quarantining alone, or if they got furloughed, like it's yeah. we're isolated, like, and, and more than anything. And then of course, like, don't even want to get me on the rant of like cell phones and being into social media all the time. Like, you know, yeah. just when you're isolated and then that's all you have to connect, 
it's pretty yeah it's super intense and i just think um under talked about and so glad we got to kind of cover it a little bit um but so i want to know kind of from the the switch you know i had a i'm pretty sure you know the podcast too a fuel hotel marketing podcast Mm-hmm. Um, I was on their their show and they were on mine and we did an episode about bridging the gap between operations and marketing. And now I want to kind of use that same term of bridging the gap between how you went from employee and a worker in a hotel to now an owner and that journey. So bridging the gap, what does that look like for a hotel, you know, a hotelier in the sense of going from frontline employee to now the employer who is, you know, running and owning the property and the asset itself? I think that there's a very stark difference, of course, because, you know, to going from the front lines to being the person who's doing the day-to-day stuff to being the person who's now like even more behind the scenes, like this is back of the house of the back of the house, you know? So it's a completely different dynamic. And I think the one thing that I'm grateful for is that when I was working as an employee, whether I was working for other people or even for my own family, like the perception that employees have is a little bit different than what the owners will see. And what I've seen a lot is that a lot of owners kind of treat hotels like a box on a piece of land. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important to understand the business that is actually going in, going on inside that box. And so I was able to bring that experience into the ownership side. And I think that's really what's allowed me to kind of help create the culture that I really foresee um, in the company. And right now it's like, like I told you, like it's a small company. <laughs> it's yeah. just like me and my family right now. <laughs> but you know, I, as I kind of lay the groundwork for like when we, when we hire people for the new property and for like others, like I, I know what my vision is and I want it to be in a way where there isn't so much of a gap between, you know, like management operations, the employees, the owners, so, cause I feel like a lot of times, like, I don't know if you can relate, but like when you first got into the hotel business, like, did you think about like P&Ls and all that? Like, oh, this is a business or like this hotel is like, um, you know, there's a lenders, whatever involved. Like, did you think of it or did you think of it as, oh, like I'm here, you know, making a memorable experience for a guest. Like, what was the top thing that you thought of? Yeah, no, I think right, right away in the beginning, when I got into an autograph collection with Marriott was the experience, you know, customer service. I wanted to make sure my like secret shopper report was killer and fire. I wanted to make sure that all my guest surveys were on top, that every department loved it. Like, you know, I was all about the overall like day-to-day stuff. You know, every guest felt heard. Every guest had a speedy check-in. Every guest had a clean room. If it wasn't clean, I was the man to fix their problem. Like that was all I cared about. Then when I got to management on the boutique side and independent out on Oregon coast, got into management, started seeing star reports more, started being involved with, you know, distribution and how we worked with vendors. And then of course, seeing PLs and vice versa, that's when it shifted. And that's when I started getting like, I wouldn't say I didn't get turned off from the industry, but it definitely frustrated me yeah. getting to see that side. So exactly. because then you would try to connect them as like a, as a manager or an employee for an owner. And they would say, well, it doesn't make sense because of this, this, and this. But then you're just like, well, if you trusted me and we did this, this, and this, they would coincide, bleed together. Um, So that was just kind of my overall. Exactly. And I think that's where it's so hard for like, if there are owners who don't really have that experience in the industry. um, And like I said, they just look at it like, you know, a piece of real estate. And that's, I, I feel like it just doesn't. For like the holding period of the asset, I just feel like it's not a pleasant experience for anyone. No. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to, I, I wonder, this is kind of like totally just a, off the top of my head right now kind of moment, but um, I had a guest on the show a while ago, like pre, yeah, like last year, a long time, pre-COVID, everything, um, said, if you base your business off of P&L, you're effing insane. That's pretty much what his quote was like, you're, you're fucking <laughs> Um, and so for for now like I like what I want to know your thoughts like do you think the old style of business where the business person whoever owns the asset or whatever um, when you know they're always making decisions based off the PL, do you think the PL is is gone like I don't think it's gone in the sense of like we're gonna throw it out the window and just say f it but like that type of person or business owner 
that really just is like, well, the PNL, we're, we're based off of this, we're, we're going to make this decision without even internally looking at the operation itself. Do you think that's out the window with COVID now? I think, I hope. So, okay, if I, if you're saying, if I understand correctly, you're saying like just looking at the PNL and making decisions and not thinking about the inner operations, right? 100%, 100%. Okay. I think, I hope that goes away. <laughs> like, I hope like now, I seriously, I honestly, I, I hope it's that like that mindset is gone because like, yes, like it's important that the business is making money. Like, of course, like yeah. I love money as much as the next person. I want my money where my hand is, you know, I yeah. get it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's important to know, like, it's important to kind of see how the operation is going, what's going on internally. Like, where can you actually kind of create more value um, mm. and, and, and really kind of just, I don't think that if you're going to be a hotel owner, don't be so standoffish, like, yeah. you know, like actually know what's going on and be involved. Um, by being involved, I mean, just be like, you know, aware, be, see, I, I'm going to get in Bring trouble it. for this. Bring I'm going to be in trouble for this. Bring but. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So when COVID first hit, like, um, like I realized a lot of hotel owners were like up in arms because they're like, I want relief, like instantly. It was like, I want relief. Like, what am I going to do? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I guess like, I don't know, maybe because I'm not like a big ass owner yet. Like, I was like, well, what about the people? What about the people who are getting hospitalized? <laughs> like, how are we helping our communities and stuff? And I'm saying like that money business attitude because has to go, like, yes, like there's money in this industry. There is, but understand that there are a lot of other deciding factors that can help you, you know, make decisions than just, hey, am I in profit or loss? Mm, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I want to get into this question with you on effective leadership. Like with this, this change of mindset, like I just remember seeing owners come in and immediately they walk through the front doors, the staff is standing at attention, basically, like perfect, you know, they're at the desk, like totally just typing and just being perfect and like have the biggest <laughs> smile on their head. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're in a, the owner goes into a room and then you don't see them for the rest of the day. Like they're not yeah. a room, but like a meeting room or whatever. Not very little. I think maybe once in my whole career, I had an owner say, Hey, print me off a list of vacant cleans. Let's go inspect some rooms. Let's talk about stuff. Let's go like one time, one time, really? like ever. Oh. So like, I got more out of that one interaction though for an effective leader, an effective owner who's being like due diligent and taking the time to, to like create a teaching moment, right? What does that look like for you with, with what you're doing and what the future and the vision that you're seeing getting into your new business and growing into, I guess, like, as we're talking, we're, you're cuffing that gap of like, almost 2021 new year and getting out of this like pandemic and hopefully seeing a vaccine and all this other stuff. What does effective leadership look like for, for you? For me, effective leadership is definitely like someone who is like with you side by side. Like mm -hmm. I, I hate the idea of like when people like call themselves leaders, but they're not like, they're just barking orders from the back. Like I think leadership is, if you're an effective leader, you are leading by example. And I think like one of the perfect examples in my personal life of that is uh, my boss, uh, my my main boss, uh, when I used to work at the Doubletree in downtown Houston, Toya Berry, phenomenal, phenomenal manager, phenomenal boss. Like she's like one of my favorite bosses I've ever had. And she was like, if it was busy in the front, like she came out herself to like help mm -hmm. us out. If like when housekeeping didn't show up like she went in to go help people like help housekeeping with like you know rooms and things like that and so that's what I mean like you know just leading by example and you know not really having an ego about it and I think that now as I transition into ownership one thing that we've always talked about is how there's a lack of diversity mm -hmm. at the top level and I think that diversity in hospitality is there we have diversity but it's about inclusion yeah. And so for me, it's very important that like, yes, I have a diverse, like, you know, work, um, like a work base, but I want to make sure that they feel included and that they feel like as if they can still progress further. Like our team that we had at Super 8, um, and it was a small team, but 
I, I told them when I was managing, I said, I don't want you here forever. Like, I want <laughs> you guys to become owners one day. Like, but you know, yeah. in order to kind of get to that level, like, you know, understand the concept of like customer service and what it's going to take to operate. Like, think of this place as your own. Mm -hmm. And, and that that's just going to take you the long way. And so, I mean, just really an empowering, sorry, empowerment is really important. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts. Cause when I was a manager, my, when I first brought on like a new front office employee, you know, I oversaw front office, but then I also kind of like as an AGM, you just oversee everything, but my main hiring point was front office, but I would always make sure that me and the housekeeping director or me and the maintenance director said, Hey, I have this new employee. I'm going to put them with you for a week before they even touch a check-in, like before they yeah. even know what their job is. And that way, like I, cause I had a couple of employees that were either there before I became manager um, and were very stubborn and stuck in their old bad habits. And yeah. I had to break, or I had new that was excited and, green, but really like their growth potential was insane. And so, uh, but no matter what, just making sure everyone got a little bit of piece of experience to see what the overall puzzle looked like put together, housekeeping, maintenance, what parts fit and why, like how to best communicate with those departments when you're in the front office and when you have a guest or when you're on property alone for who knows how long. So did, what were some like training exercises or even just things that you do um, in order to really make your team kind of get that inclusion, but also experience behind just their overall department? Just a lot. Of, I mean, training for sure. So when you're with a brand, you have like training and things like that, um, that the brand mandates and yeah, sure. Like that's, you know, passing the time when you sit there for like hours. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think it's important to really just, I, I believe in hands-on training a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I, I feel like I learned hospitality, not just through school, but like actually doing things. And so just really kind of do a lot of cross training as well. One thing I say is like, if you want to be in hospitality, you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. And that's yeah. not going to go away once you keep going up the ladder, like always be willing to get your hands dirty, always be willing to do what it takes. Yeah. And I think that's just like, by really emphasizing that, it, and especially like with young bloods, right? Like when new people mm -hmm. come in, like you said, they have that fire, like you can mold them. That's like molding the next generation of hospitality kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of the training that we do, like for example, at our Fairfield that we open, it's very hands-on and it's very like one-to-one -one, mm -hmm. um, where we have our, you know, our director of the department actually sit down with each employee. Granted turnover is still high because of the pandemic, but yeah. you know, it makes a dent. Yeah. No, for sure. I was going to say, I don't think, I think I cleaned more rooms and did more inspections as a manager than I ever did as like a lower level employee. Like, you know, I hate that term lower level employee, but you know, like yeah. as a front office, like agent, right? Like, yeah. or even like, even when I was on call for housekeeping, I cleaned more rooms than that. It was insane. But at the end of the day, it's, you got to do what you got to do, right? Um, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, like even at like when I, I mean, even when I worked at the full service hotel, like I remember it was Valentine's day and like, I was just, um, I wasn't even like a manager yet. So I was just like the front desk and somehow all of housekeeping got off on month on Valentine's day and it's a hotel, you know, we're going to be busy. Right. So it was just like, Oh God. So like, it is like 1030 and I am like making beds and I'm like making sure I'm doing the final inspection. It's like, am I housekeeping? No, but is it my hotel? No, but I got to treat it like it's my own you yeah. know, and it kind of, it sets, it inspires other people to do it. And even with the super eight, like if housekeeping, like that was my, our family's hotel, but if housekeeping didn't show up, guess who was making rooms? Me and my brother. Yeah. <laughs> so Saturday, Saturday night, Saturday mornings were not for cartoons. No, we made room and laundry. So. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta love it. You gotta love yeah, it. Yeah. It's like a love hate. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's great. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, um, no, we hit on so many good points and I, and I love just like the, the experience and value you bring to this episode, to the show. Um, but I'm curious to know now, so what has been like the top three to five things you've learned from your, this like new change in perspective? I think we've covered a lot, you know, regarding this like switch and like, you, you know, you talk a lot about like side-by-side -side leadership and all this other stuff, but this could be negative or positive stuff that you've learned, but I just really want to see um kind of from like this overall new perspective what have been the things that popped out and it could be pre-covid too i'm totally open to all 
I know you like sent me this question yesterday. I was like still trying to figure out like what is like yeah. the three to five things. And I, but I guess like um, I'll, I'll say like what is kind of what three to five things are like shaping my perspective right now yeah, in like the industry go. where I'm at. So I'll say that where like I don't I I don't want to forget where I came from. Yeah. Like I don't want to forget the the roots of like you know what my grandparents and my parents created, and I I've never felt entitled to any of it, and I want to keep it that way. I want to be someone that can be like a shoulder to lean on, you know, for my team members, for staff. And I want to be able to continue the philosophy that my front office manager had taught me, which is empower your team members and always look for the best in them and bring that out. And then also always value empathy amongst, you know, customers, your guest, your employees, your community people. It's important yeah. that you're a part of the community and you're being, you know, very active towards just building relationships with them. And then also don't ever have the mindset of a hands-off owner. Mm. Cause like I've seen, I mean, it sucks to work with someone like that and yeah. it's, yeah, I don't want to be that person. No, I love that. I love that you said <laughs> that. And uh, I want to like kind of pick your brain and like pull more out of you on we've talked about empowerment a little bit uh, a couple times you said the word and so when it comes to empowering employees like when it comes to empowering whether they're managers or they're supervisors or just front desk agents or housekeepers or maintenance or whatever I don't care the position um, how what are like real empowerment methods like how do you really make sure that a, a team member of yours is feeling that they have the opportunity to make a decision, an executive decision on behalf of you, as in like they're an extension of you. How do you really effectively do that? So we do this thing, and I actually got this from um, when I used to work with Hilton. So Hilton has this mm. empowerment promise that they do where it's an agreement that is signed by, you know, the uh, like the manager and the employee when they first come on that you are empowered to make the decision to do whatever it takes to make it right for the guest mm -hmm. you will not be you know in, you will not be reprimanded of it you're not going to get in trouble for it like you are okay you are in your limits do what it takes and i think like that's a good first step right there now whenever guests are sorry i'm trying to like phrase this right because you know, there, there's a fine line with empowerment, right? Because you can tell your employee like, hey, like do whatever it takes to make it right. But the next thing you know, there's 20 free rooms that were given out on a Sunday yeah. morning, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and that's where training comes in, you know? Yeah. But I think just really having that, that open relationship, that open communication about like empowering and like, you know, just, you know, being like, hey, like we, I trust you. I genuinely trust you to make the decision. And so, I mean, it's very basic methods. It's nothing like yeah. spectacular. I don't know really. <laughs> tell you I think it, anything otherwise. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely over time too. I think the more situations happen, the more decisions are made that they do act on, you know, like yeah. I, I've experienced like even as myself with my own management, like when I was, you know, saying, Hey, I gave $150, you know, voucher out, or I, you know, did discount below normal or above normal, you know, discounts that we yeah. normally give out. Um, and just, I think like, as over time, like when I first, let's, I'll just do the example of a discount. So guest is unhappy with whatever, it could be cleanliness, it could be experience, it could be um, rude valet person who grabbed their keys and made a snarky comment, I don't know. Um, but like normally, so you finding out like as time goes on, as, as stuff happens, you start to figure out like what, it's kind of like reading the room, right? Body language, mm -hmm. tone of voice, eye contact, lack of eye contact, you know, stuff like that. But as time goes on, um, the thing I learned from my own self was that I would make a decision but if I could type up and take notes or have at the end of the day, like write out reasoning and just make sure I'm well backed up on my, my thinking and my decision of that, the better it was when I just say, Oh, I get, I discounted them 75% because they were, they weren't happy. Well, my boss yeah. isn't going to be happy because I just said, I gave them no reasoning other than unhappy. And there's a lot of reasons for them to be unhappy. So I need to be specific. So being, yeah 
you know, and then also like thought out and just like, well, this happened and this happened and this person, the guest is going through this and this is their experience. And, you know, they stayed with us multiple times and I want to make sure that this doesn't damper their future stays. And this is me trying to retain that guest in this aspect. And so I yeah. gave a 35% discount instead of a 25 or whatever it may be. Um, the more we do that and the more like, I think we have opportunities to do that and like show when you're giving the opportunity to make decisions like that. Um, like you said, it, proper training and just over time, stuff like that really does just carry. In the very beginning, like I can say for myself that like, if a guest was like unhappy for whatever reason, like I would still ask like my boss or I would ask yeah. like someone who has been there, like my, my coworker who's there longer, like, hey, like, is it okay if I do this or can I do this? And then later yeah. as you get comfortable, you become more confident in making those decisions true. yourself. But then the logging stuff is really important because it's all, it all comes down to service recovery. Cause sometimes like, what if, like, if a guest like got upset about something like one or two or three times, your decision can justify, you know, why you did what you did. And mm. some, and that's important for managers to see as well. Mm. So, and like the next shift, right. If somebody comes oh, in yeah. for checkout and that person had a bad experience three times at check-in or during their stay throughout the night, and then they come to check out and the person's completely unaware. It yes, could be, I hate when like, that happens. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So annoying. <laughs> so yeah, we both are very, uh, yeah, I think we're on the same page. So that's good. It helps with ownership too. Cause like when ownership is like, oh, why was my, like, why, why was our profits or our sales like less this quarter? We can be like, oh, well that's because like we had 30 rooms that had like a water problem or, or whatever it is, you know? So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Love it. Do you have any key takeaways that you've just been experiencing, you know, from employer to owner? I think, you know, we've, we focused on a lot of empowerment and leadership and, but now like bridging that gap of employer to ownership, just like key takeaways that you're, you're really like if another say 25 to 28 year old in the hospitality industry is listening right now, you're like, this is what I took away. This is what you can take away now. What would it be? I would say open up avenues to communication, open up, I guess, avenues to reach you. Mm. I think that a lot of times people think that, oh, like they're higher up than me or they're in a different position in their life. Like I can't reach out and ask a question or ask for help. And I think like create that, create the, the atmosphere that people can come to you. Mm. Is there any unique ways that maybe aren't obvious that you've seen? of how how owners can do that mm -hmm. yeah. um show up to your properties actually <laughs> yeah, and talk one. to your people <laughs> go up to your properties and talk to the people who's working there yeah no. that, that's like the that's like the number like yeah like how you're like you told me how your owner one time like came up and like was like give me like a list of vacant like do that yeah no, I'm glad you said that because it's, <laughs> it's like, it's obvious, but it's not obvious when you're right. on the ownership side, you're all like, they're like, oh, I don't need to be there. There's managers yeah. for that. Well, it's like, well, yeah. your managers are running around doing your errands. So yeah. yeah. Like, and you know what? Like maybe like, if you're just like a, like an, have someone who is like, at least like on the same level as you, you know, yeah. like do that stuff. Like if you as an owner, like, you know, nothing about hospitality, like fine, that's okay. But like, if there's someone who's representing you, like make sure that it's, someone who can at least do that for you, you know? 100%. So, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And I, I don't want the listeners, so like Slick Talkers, if you're listening right now, we don't want this to sound like we're bashing, right? Like, I don't feel like we're coming at this side of like, this is all bad. This is all the negative stuff. Take oh, it no. Out. <laughs> no, it's like, I want, I, but I want people to understand like, this is a real side of an industry. Like the reason why we're talking about this stuff is because we love our industry so much that if we don't talk about it, we're doing everyone after us and currently in the industry, a disservice. Like, and that's how I feel. You know, we're, we are letting down. I had a platoon sergeant in the army who told me, you know, like the army gives you this standard, right? This is the army standard that you have to meet. Why are we settling for this? Like we need to set our own standard and mm -hmm. go above and beyond. And that's why, like, I felt like it was really important to bring you on the show and to talk about these things and to cover this because I don't want to make it sound like we're bashing like because we're not but we really do love this industry so much and what we do that this is important to talk about um so and I it's important that given the current situation like this is the perfect time yeah. to think about these things and kind of like see hey like what else can I do what else can heck I do yeah. to elevate my industry or my my business or my my staff or team or whatever so yeah no I totally agree um 
We're and, not bashing, and, guys. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. We're the, no, we're like not. I said, earlier, I was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, bring it. Let's go. We want this. You're an we instigator. Want... You're an instigator. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm the youngest of seven. I had five sisters. So I think it's kind of just bringing that side of me out just a little bit. Like Hook the buttons yeah. where I can. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I've been having a lot of fun and I think this is really great, but I want to make sure, um, you know, how can we um, either make sure, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit and I think especially now, super like I, we're coming out of this COVID-19. I think I'm coming out with a lot of hope, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of encouragement. Like I'm excited to see, you know, that mindset shift of, well, this is how we've been doing it 20 years to now this, we need to change. We need to figure out what is the new age hotelier or hospitality enthusiast or expert look like. Right. Um, but we talked about burnout and I think burnout super important to bring up again, because, um, I don't know if you saw it, like when COVID-19 like really put us into lockdown, like back in like March and April, but you saw a lot of, I think I saw a lot of people just be like making radical decisions that weren't radical because they've been thinking about it for so long. But now there's finally the time of like, well, if we are going to be locked in or if we are going to have to do this, or like, if we're going to do this completely new lifestyle that we're not used to, um, I'm going to make sure I'm damn happy. Like, I want to make sure that I'm doing something I love. Uh, you see people quit their jobs of six figure or more incomes from corporate to now start a little in-home business or to be a stay-at-home parent and really spend time with family or whatever it may be. Uh, but then we saw a lot of people that were burnt out and weren't able to, uh, at least I saw a lot of people. And we talked about burnout a little bit, but how can um, we make sure this is isn't going to happen or continue as our, as our, you know, recovery in the industry comes. Uh, I'm just kind of curious if you have any tips, tricks, or things that you do to prevent yourself from burnout. I'm still learning myself mm. because when COVID hit, like I, I mean, I was already feeling burnt out. Um, and just like when COVID hit, like I was, I got like, even like more into my depression. Um, Cause I was just like, what a life you know, like, like I'm thankful to wake up another day. I truly am. And you know, I, I, my soul is with my body still. Like, that's what I always say every morning. Like, okay, thank God. Like my soul is with my body. I was able to wake up this morning. Thank you. But then it's just like, you know, when I see like how like the world is in turmoil, it makes me really, really down. And so I think that in a situation, it's also easy to self-sabotage. Like when you feel down, Sometimes you'll do things to like even make you feel worse, right? Like when you're <laughs> depressed, you'll you'll listen to sad songs, you know. <laughs> you know. And so I think what I've been trying to do is, and like I said, it's always easier said than done because I'm still struggling. Is like I've always tr- I try to, um, I try to like a uh, stop myself at triggers. Like if I feel a trigger, I try to like just stop myself and be mindful and and make sure I don't go any further. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely talk about things more to like you know, people I trust. And um, I think especially about mental health, I've become more vocal about it, like telling people like if it comes up in conversation, because I think that a for in the South Asian community, like in the Indian community, we don't talk about depression or whatever, like it apparently doesn't exist. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like, like, I I remember when I told my mom one time, like, like, when I finally told her, like, hey, mom, I'm depressed. And she was like, but why you have everything? And I was like, (laughs) That's not what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, but you're, there's going to be like those, like, I guess like pushbacks, but there's still other resources. There are people in your life that you can still reach out to. And, um, I just try to lean on those people. Now my mom gets it. Like she, she understands it now, you know, but it took me some time to kind of like, you know, get my family to kind of like see from my perspective, but yeah, that's just what I do. Um, I've also been listening to like a lot of like podcasts and stuff um (laughs) including yours and um also like a lot of self-help books which kind of sounds lame but it works guys i promise (laughs) it does and well um i think you are familiar with who i'm about to talk about but josh copel the host of full comp um, podcast and Mm -hmm. we're in the hospitality game changers group together i'm pretty sure you've seen him um talking about transparency 
and the industry. Like he was telling me, you know, he had a Michelin rated restaurant and there was like a time, you know, pre-COVID and all this other stuff has happened, right? That he would go to his like neighbor restaurant, you know, owner and be like, hey, like, how are you guys doing this month in sales and revenue? Like, what's it looking like? Oh, we're having the best month ever. We're doing great. And he's like, what? I'm doing shit right now. Like, and he would be like, oh yeah, me too. Totally. You know, and, <laughs> and like, and walk away. But in his head, he's like, what the heck? Why am I struggling? Why, yeah. why, why are my profits or why is my revenue down and they're having the best month? Um, but let alone come to a show over time, especially when COVID hit and all these businesses closed down saying we're having the best months ever. And then a week into COVID, they're like, oh, can't do it. And they close like completely like gone, evaporate. And uh, he was like, well, what happened to your best months? Like you were telling me for eight months in a row that you were having your best month ever while I'm still trying to figure out how to like make, make that possible. Um, and there was just like that lack of transparency with each other. And what I've started to see, and I want to hear your, your thought too, um, the transparency of like, you know, the common, I think for a lot of us, especially people our age, like, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. Like a naturally, like out yeah. of that habit and it's like it's not very transparent but of course nobody wants to just like well i'm really struggling like nobody just wants to immediately be like hi how are you and then just like oh my god the world is ending the sky is falling you know like and just like have that you don't want to be because like, then it's like you sound like a debbie downer and then people uh -huh. are like oh, my bad yeah. i didn't really i didn't really actually want to know how you were doing <laughs> yeah <Okay>. yeah yeah <laughs> like everyone's like all right eeyore like just go back and do <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, but like, I guess like what I'm trying to get at is just like the overall transparency, like being able to say like to my, like my friends that are podcasters or in the industry as well, like being able to say, I'm tired. Like I'm, I'm, I'm tired, man. Like legit, like things are great. I'm happy, but I am tired. Like I'm like trying to like continue that peak performance, but I'm, I'm tired. Like let's, let's just be, you just being able to say it just out loud instead of be thinking it like after every recording or every meeting or client meeting or like whatever, right? Like just being able to say, I'm tired, but still um, have that openness of being like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm trying to get at, but I'm just saying, I like, I think you're, you're right. Being able to just have it expressed and talked about is. Yeah. Is I mean, I think that like when you kind of keep things like inside, it's just a weight on you. It eats you up inside. And I mean, yeah. like that does that for me. And like, I'm like the queen of like, sorry the sun is like now shining over here in texas no but like um like i'm like the queen of like just keeping things inside because of you know like what i you know handle in my family life and just like mm -hmm. other things you know so like i don't really tell many people or I, i'm used to like not telling people even my closest friends but i've learned that like it just eats you up and so you've got to kind of release that somehow and you've mm -hmm. got to and if someone's asking like hey how are you and you're not okay then it's okay to say you're not okay and yeah. because you know what like not everyone is doing okay yeah so especially especially now like I especially think, right now yeah I think like i'm tired really cool. too like <laughs> i'm tired i'm exhausted like if i'm being yeah. honest but yeah but we keep going that's the thing it's like I think it's okay to, to express that we're tired and that we're not okay. But what do we end up doing the next morning? We get up. We get back up. And you know yeah. what? Like, and that's what's important, right? Because people are, people are always ashamed to kind of like say like what they're struggling with because they, they think that it's looking as weak to other people or even to mm -hmm. themselves. But, but look at you, you're still here. You're still shining. You're still waking yeah. up in the morning. You're still going. So there's strength in that. And there's strength mm -hmm. in admitting when you're not okay. Yeah. Um, and that kind of goes back to like how we were talking about destigmatizing, you know, mm -hmm. these things. So no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, damn, this is a great episode, uh, packed with a lot of stuff and topics that I've never covered or talked about on the show. So I'm All glad right. that you were able to be the person to, to do this. Um, I want to get to the conclusion and wrapping up of the episode, but do you have any, like, I always like to ask every guest you get, everyone gets an opportunity for like a shameless shout out plug or just final thoughts that they want to leave any of the listeners. Cause it's a very vast, I think that's the word vast or wide range of uh, hospitality members, you know, vacation rentals, restaurants, hotels, they're all listeners um, that participate in the show. And so any final thoughts or, you know, of course, shameless shout outs that you would like to give. I didn't even think about shameless shout outs. <laughs> this is gonna be a very boring closer because I have nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
but I guess like my final thoughts would be like, okay, for anyone who's listening, if anyone who's burnt out or tired or, you know, is just, I don't know, like just like in a weird, in an unusual place in their lives, like right now, like in this industry, like, you know, first of all, like, thank you for sticking through it. It's going to get better. And that there is, there is someone out here, like in the corner of the world who can, who is willing to help you and uplift you. Like reach out to me. Like, I don't care if my LinkedIn's out there. Like if you want to talk hospitality or something or talk about like, you know, whatever's going on, or if you're looking to get connected with someone, like I'm always happy to do that. So, um, yeah, that was a really bad closing. (laughs) Don't worry. You want to close, you want to cut that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I'll do, I'll be, I'll leave everything in the show notes. So if you guys are listening, and you do want to reach out. I got your LinkedIn. I got your email. I got everything, your website. We're going to get it all out there. So that way everyone has it. Literally a click of a button. If you're on Apple, Spotify, Google, my website direct anywhere, just click it and there you're good. Oh, um, okay, I got my shout out. Hold on. Wait, my sh- my, it's corny. All right. My shout out goes to everyone in the hotel industry right now, because you are still here. You're still making it. If you are pivoting, if you have got furloughed and you're doing something else, no problem. If you got laid off from your job, but like you, anyone in hospitality, you get a shout out there. Boom. Love <laughs> it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with me. I am truly inspired by what you're doing and just the amazing energy and just perspective and knowledge and just badassery that you have um, (laughs) from from everything. So thank you for being on the show and just putting it all out on the table. Um, It's been amazing to talk with you and I can't wait to see what you do after maybe the craziness of this next month could <laughs> get through the holidays and let's look at 2021 as a, as a time to, to really kick ass. So I'm excited. For sure. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be here and thank you for, you know, creating such a great podcast. Like you're, it's one of my favorite hospitality podcasts. I'm not saying it cause I'm on the show today, but I do love it. So keep it up. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, you heard it. Slick talkers find everything in the show notes, click the links, get involved, get active, and a shout out to you for being here and continuing on in the hospitality industry. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.